Welcome to the PESOL. Reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Bill O'Reilly. I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! Now let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to the PESOL. Today's show is brought to you by Bro Dude Energy Drinks. Get the juice to go top cheese, boys. Drink up a Bro Dude, boys. Welcome everybody to the PESOL. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we are filmmakers, when our gear works properly, um, who like to analyze, break apart films, see how we can be better, you know, movie makers and movie appreciators, as it were. We have a very early morning tomorrow. We've been working on a lot of projects together lately. We flew out to San Diego for a couple days. We shot another thing, I think, right before going out there. And now we're shooting, I think, three more videos over the next two days. Uh, so we we have a full slate happening right now. <laughs> uh, a lot going on. A lot going this on. This is good. Yeah. Good stuff. It's good. It's good to get paid and it's good to make fun yeah. things with people you love. So I'll take it. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> uh, what are we what are we covering today, man? Today we are covering uh, the ever awesome Rudy. So if you haven't seen that movie, please pause this episode and go watch it. It is streaming on Amazon Prime. Nice. Yeah, we'll touch on a few things. Um, we'll talk about turning a small story into a big story. Uh, we'll also discuss dramatizing real life and how movie lies can communicate the truth to the viewer and other such stuff and things and stuff. Oh, awesome. Looking forward to that. Uh, so quick synopsis of the film. Rudy has always been told that he was too small to play college football, but he is determined to overcome the odds and fulfill his dream of playing for Notre Dame. Directed by... David Anspaugh, written by Angelo Pizzo, cinematography by Oliver Wood, starring Sean Astin as Rudy, John Favreau as D-Bob, Ned Beatty as Daniel Rudiger, Charles S. Dutton as Fortune, Lily Taylor as Sherry, Vince Vaughn as Jamie O'Hara, Jason Miller as Coach Parsegian, and Chelsea Ross as Coach Divine. You think I want to become a priest? Don't you? Nothing against being a priest, Father, but I don't think it's for me. Why are you here? I want to go to school at Notre Dame. <laughs> well, have you applied? No, my grades have never been very good, even though I tried. But I'll try harder. I'll study 20 hours a day if I have to. This university, it's not for everybody. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to go to school here. And ever since I was a kid, everyone said it, it couldn't be done. My whole life, people have been telling me what I could do and couldn't do. I've always listened to them, believed in what they said. I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, Mr. Rudy. Here's a deal. Holy Cross Junior College is nearby. I can get you one semester there. You make grades, you get another semester. Then maybe with a high enough GPA, you might have a chance of getting into Notre Dame. So, fan of Rudy? Yay or nay? <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. This holds up hardcore for me. Oddly, right? I mean, it's been just as good. 20 years? How long? 30? I don't even know anymore. But it holds up. That's. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know how long it's been. It, you know, maybe it came out in the 90s. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it holds up. Every bit of it. The acting holds up. The writing, the cinematography is amazing. The story itself is just really strong, really good. And stories like this, you know, a lot of times they lean. Or not a lot of times, but the best ones you find, you know, we covered Rocky, right? Best ones you find are the ones that are not really about the thing that they're about. And that's so much of of what I love about this movie. You know, it's about it. Literally, the clip that you played was the best <laughs> description of what this movie was actually about. It was about a kid who, you know, when you're a kid and you're growing up, at least when I was growing up, the adults, for some reason, I just assumed that they were right. I didn't... Mm. You know, and what they said was backed by years of experience and and uh, knowledge and just, you know, not 
not that I obeyed them all the time, but just in general, right? Like, oh, that's really, really hard to do. Just letting you know, you know, like, okay. Well, I had a similar realization growing up too. Like, oh, wait a minute. You know, they're just people too, and they can be wrong or they can assume something and it's not true. And, and so listening to them could limit what I think that I could do. And when he said that, I I didn't remember that clip, you know, before I watched it. But when, when I watched it, that was definitely a defining moment in the film for me. It was like, oh my gosh, him just saying, I don't want to do that anymore is, is the outward sign of his decision earlier to leave in general. And just like after, after his buddy died and, and, and go to Notre Dame. And so it was a great, like one of my favorite parts in the movie, but the whole thing is just so solid all the way through. I don't feel like it drags. Um, it's a long movie, but it kind of needs to be in a way. And every time they go back to some to a, a particular character, I'm like, oh, I love that guy. You know, the groundskeeper. I forget his name. Fortune. The groundskeeper. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah um, amazing. Uh, I mean, the big football players are amazing. I find myself really loving those guys even before even before at the end when they say, oh, he can dress in my place. Rudy can dress in my place. Like the big lineman guys, I'm just like, oh man, you know, even when, when they come up to one of the big guys comes up to him in the parking lot and it's like, Hey man, you know, you're going to get hurt. What are you doing out here? He said, he said, if I don't go a hundred percent, you're not going to be ready for the game. It's, he's like, all right, cool. He just won them over in that one second, which is, you know, not easy to do. Right. Especially when you're a, um, when you're a little guy, like a runt on the team. And everything just keeps going wrong for him. And he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And then we have the moment where he quits. And, you know, it just, it gave me everything that I wanted. You know, even his, his girlfriend dating his brother. I forgot about that whole scenario. Yeah. And that was rough. And, and Sean Astin, I mean, this is the, to me, this is one of his best roles. I mean, he nails all of the reactions perfectly i mean i don't even see him you know in the reaction of of seeing his girlfriend with his with his brother i'm like you know how would you play that okay i mean he doesn't go get mad he doesn't yell he just leaves you know and which is definitely what this character at this time in his journey would do you know he gets to the boiling point at the end when he ends up quitting and he starts yelling and stuff. But you don't really see that, you know, side of him because that's, I guess, not his, in his character. He just plays it so well and so delicately and delivers those lines like, I don't want to do that anymore. So perfectly, I'm with him the whole way. So then in the very end, when he finally gets that play, I'm like in tears. <laughs> Jenny and I both started weeping when they let, even when they just let him in the game. <laughs> That we were just like, oh my god, he got in the game, you know. And I remember the I remember the first time watching this when he gets the tackle because I didn't know the story, mm. you know. When he gets the tackle, the second play because the first play was the kickoff, the second play he gets the the sack, and I jump. I remember jumping to my feet, like cheering, like oh my god, he got, he actually got a tackle. He's a stat. This is crazy. Uh, but anyway, it was so good the build is so good the music is so good the cinematography is amazing and and the acting is just in you know so good yeah very good i don't i don't it's very good yeah it's my critical uh opinion of it yeah. no that's awesome i watched this so much as a kid like uh i think i went two maybe three months of watching it every day after school i would come home and oh that's yeah. watch rudy <laughs> and i mean i guess part of that is you know we didn't have a lot of options uh, as far as movies go but i could have done anything else like i i read a lot i wrote a lot and you know hung out talked on the phone all that stuff but i really just had to watch this movie every day until it finally that itch got scratched um and i think i didn't stop watching this movie until i found goodwill hunting and then i and then it just kind of broke me out and i'm like okay um i'm, I'm good on everything for a while um but uh, I just loved it so much. And it's for all the reasons you just said, like, it's a great journey. He plays it perfectly. I completely buy him as this character, right? He fits the physique. Um, he fits the temperament. Uh, even his hair feels like this seventies floofy, like 
I don't, I'm not ready to believe I should be afraid of you on a football field. Like none of it uh, is intimidating. Like he's yeah. just perfect in his demeanor. He's got this very sweet, kind uh, presence. Like you said, even whenever he finds out his brother is now with his ex, uh, he, he just kind of like shrugs it off. He's obviously stung and we see that and we feel it. Um, but we don't feel, we feel bad for him without feeling like he he messed up uh, or he yeah. lashed out the way we might, you know, he just, he takes it in stride and he's like, you know what? That's, that's what this is. That's what this place is to me right now. Uh, it's not my home. My home is actually somewhere else. And he goes home um, and it's just perfect. Yeah. Every step of the way you can feel his fight. You can feel, you know, the conflict and you feel his determination and, uh, and it makes that sack at the end, completely sweet. Like that's such the sweetest victory it's an hour and 53 minutes of him earning that sack. Yeah. And I think that's perfect because that's kind of the hardest thing. Uh, and I thought about that a lot of watching this movie and everything feels so obvious, but I imagine being presented with the story as a screenwriter, like, Hey, we want you to make a, a two hour drama about a kid who walks on and gets one tackle. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's, that's not a championship moment. You know, uh, most films end right. in this big championship finale or we're going to the playoffs or, you know, something. And that's not what this is at all. It, it ends on one guy getting in a couple of plays. And so I kind of just watched it from that perspective. I got one viewing in cause I probably haven't seen this since I stopped watching it as a kid and I've watched it so many times. I remember every single beat. Like I, I got no surprises out of this entire movie because yeah. of how uh, memorized okay. it is in my head. Yeah. Watching it from this other standpoint of what does it mean to try to write? Because I read a little bit on the, the, how it came to be. And apparently uh, the, this writer and director, um, duo were coming off of making Hoosiers, which at the time was like the best sports movie ever. I've never been a huge Hoosiers fan, which is like sacrilege to say around a lot of people. Um, I thought it was fine. I mean, Jane yeah. Hackman is a God and that's fine. Um, but as a movie, I thought, yeah, this is good. It's, it's a good movie. I, it's never been a go-to. I've seen it a handful of times and whatever, but for these guys to be coming off of making that movie, uh, it's just like, where do you go from here? Kind of thing. Uh, and I guess they were at a bar and they overheard this guy telling his story and they're just like, yeah, tell us. And it just kind of spawned from there. It was literally one of these uh, found moments in the wild. Really? It wasn't like, wow, they got pitched a, a treatment of this thing. And so they're like, oh, that, and so from there it spawned. And I don't know the rest of the story of how they developed it. But if I'm presented that, I don't know that I arrive at their conclusions. Um, and I'm glad to study it from that thing because okay uh we got to turn a small moment in, into like a sports crying incredible film um and so what, what what's the deal he's in a couple of plays he, he's in a kickoff and and he gets a sack okay so we're going to tell a tour two hour story about a college football player who played two downs great let's let's you know go with that <laughs> let's, let's see where that takes us yeah. and i love it because it's a very patient story of a kid with a goal and so let's see the entire course of events let's get a perspective of who he is and what he has to overcome um and it's a perspective of how massive of a goal it actually is and so they spend a lot of time setting up obstacles and his passion right so even in the opening scene it's a winter football game uh, of him as a kid right and rudy is playing the all-time center with his two big brothers and um he's not even good enough to play backyard family football like you just hike the ball and let us play like he's that's how you know crappy of a beginning he is he can't even play backyard football <laughs> that's that's they're already setting up the challenge right from the very first scene yeah. um and then of course before the family meal he announces to his family that he's going to play at notre dame and everyone laughs, right? His dad, he kind of jokes like, don't make me smack you, kid. Like, what are you talking about? Don't embarrass me. And then we see him and his dad really like also get along watching the game. His buddy Pete, his only friend in the world that believes in him, is like, hey, do you think we could maybe watch, I think, Purdue or someone else? And he's like, there's only one team we watch in this house. Isn't that right, Rudy? He's like, yeah. And he just kind of drifts off into the game with his dad. And he just, he's in the zone. He's not even worried about food or anything. Like everything ceases to exist. And that kind of sets up like, 
yeah, he just said what he wanted to do. Now we're kind of seeing that passion live in his eyes, uh, even as a kid. And of course we cut from there. And this is like my favorite two scenes in the movie or him given that halftime speech, right? He's reciting this halftime speech to the record uh, for his friend, Pete. Right. And uh, we're seeing Pete just eat it up. He's like, yeah, you know, I love this. And then there's also this thing that happens right before all that happens in between the, the football family football game. And when they sit down to watch, which is, they're they're getting food. And I don't know if this is a holiday. It's not really made clear if this is just kind of a, a Saturday event or uh, if this is maybe some kind of uh, Thanksgiving thing or uh, it can't be Thanksgiving or maybe it is. I don't know if Notre Dame plays on Thanksgiving or whatever. But anyway, they do. They're getting food, and he has a girlfriend that he doesn't even seem to want. <laughs> he, right? He's like, "Is this your girlfriend, Rudy?" No. Yes, I am. Like she tells it like it is. Right. He's saying no, but yes, I am. He has no control over his life. No one takes him seriously. Not this girl that he says he isn't dating, not his family. And then we jump to like the last high school football practice, right? And he gets his best shot on the coach. And you can see the intensity that he's charging his coach. Uh, and And his coach is at a dead standstill. I'm sorry. You give me a 30 yard head start to launch into anybody they're going to end up on their ass i don't care who they are they literally better be an nfl like lineman (laughs) um because no high school football coach is going to keep still be standing if another grown man gets that kind of head start at him uh but you know he drives into his coach and his coach is fine you know he's like cool and then but we hear his coach announce who's going to go on to play more football Right. And he's announcing this kid and this kid and this kid, if he hits the weights and there's no mention of Rudy and we see Rudy and Pete kind of exchange this look like, yeah, that's not us. That's not our lot in, in, in life. And then from there, we cut to a civics class and he's failing civics, which establishes Rudy is not good at school. So here's another obstacle, right? He's, he's not talented. No one takes him seriously. He's failing at school. And so badly that he wants to just tour Notre Dame and he's not even, he's not even allowed to see the school. He's like, not only should you not apply, you shouldn't even look at this school. Like, wow, ridiculous. It's so unrealistic that he could possibly attend this, that we won't even let you tour. And then of course, fast forward four years later, he's having lunch with Pete. Uh, we find out that he saved up a thousand dollars, like that's that's not a lot of money but he can't afford the school so financially he's out of it he can't make the grades he's not physical enough in every way he does not belong right every single obstacle he's not talented he's not smart he's broke and no one believes he's capable what more could go wrong for this guy (laughs) and then his best friend dies you know and that becomes his catapult uh, ultimately because he's like this is my clarifying moment of my life um, if there's going to be a moment, it has to be now. And he makes that journey, right? And his dad even shows up to talk him out of it at the bus stop. Uh, and that's such a sweet, heartbreaking moment because you you see his dad means well, right? But at the same time, you just want him to believe in his son. He's like, man, he's 22 years old. Give the guy a shot at life. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Tell him to leave. Give him your blessing, whatever. Right? And the music kicks in where he's like, I don't want to be John or Frank and the music kicks in like, Oh, it's just beautiful. Like, yeah, we're on your side. And so he has, then we kick in from establishing all the uh, obstacles and, and things he has to overcome. Now we're going to get into overcoming those obstacles. And the first one is convincing the priest, right? That clip we played, like you said, that was his moment to kind of clarify his belief about himself. He's, he's no longer going to be that guy who doesn't try, who believes what others uh, believe about him. He's going to believe what he wants about himself. Uh, and so he, he does, and he convinces them. He gets into Holy Cross uh, Junior College, and along the way, we start to find out, oh, man, he's dyslexic, right? Which helps with his grades. And so he's he's finding these little ways to kind of overcome. He breaks into work, <laughs> right? This little dungeon that he sleeps in every night for housing. Now that's taken care of. But even after, like, he's he's doing better at school, he's got a tutor, he's got a friend, and uh, he's got a place to sleep. He's still on the outside looking in. And I like that every time we make progress, they reestablish how far away he is. 
right? He can't even get into a game. Um, there's this long, slow shot of everyone inside the stadium cheering while he's by himself outside the stadium. Like this lonely shot afterwards of him in the stands of the game. They couldn't have separated him more from Notre Dame and his dream. Uh, but it's important to kind of keep establishing these moments of how far away he is from making his dream, you know, a reality. And they even make it to where he can't even paint the helmets. Like he's not a student just to kind of help establish how far away he is. He's not even a student that can paint the helmets of the team he wants to play on. <laughs> like that's such a, yeah. a chasm. Like it's crazy. Um, and, but there's a, also this little hope because after that moment of him kind of getting kicked off the booster club, uh, he, he breaks in again at, at his office uh, job. And we see that, Fortune leaves him a key, you know, to the place. And so there's just this glimmer of acceptance. And so I love that they just kind of give us way more failures and wins, right? Uh, it helps keep him an underdog and shows his drive that he's discouraged, but he's unrelenting. Uh, and I think that's such a good way to, because this is this whole movie is just one big underdog story. So why not lean into it in every moment possible? And then from there, we really get into the hard stuff uh, because now it's, He's got to get this first, you know, notch in the belt, which is I got to get into Notre Dame. And so from there, we get his first rejection. Right. Um, and then after that rejection, he goes home for Christmas to find his family still doesn't believe in him. Like he shows his dad, I got an A and three B's. And he's like, hey, that's really good. And then he says, uh, man, you got to see a game at the stadium. It's incredible. You've never seen anything like it. Um, he's like, I'd, I'd see the games just fine on my TV. Would it make a difference if I was playing? And that's when we hear his brother, Frank, once again, just kind of crap on his dreams and it's, you know, brutal. And then after that, his brother walks in with his ex and it's just, you know, getting left, right, uppercut. And it's like, you know what? I got to go. Um, and from there, we kind of get this montage sequence of he's training and he's studying and then he gets rejection you know, this uh, rejection letter from Notre Dame that he didn't make it. And that's the second time, right? And then he's just frustrated. He's e he even tries to complain to, to Fortune, the, the groundskeeper, about how life sucks right now. It's like, what's the point? What am I doing this for? I'm embarrassing myself. I just lost another year of eligibility and I'm nowhere closer. Uh, and of course, Fortune like uh, kind of kicks him in the butt and he's like, do you, what, do you hear what you're saying? Like you just got yeah. top notch education. You're, you're doing things that, you know, people don't believe you can do like, uh, and by the way, you have more work to do. What are you doing here? Complaining at all? Like literally go do your job. Yeah. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> but I think that's such a good, important role for people to play sometimes in life. Um, especially for this kid who's like an incredible distance, having someone there to challenge them, like, and it just, sparks a little bit of life in you when someone's like, Hey, get off your butt, go do something, shut up. <laughs> like, uh, sometimes yeah. some people, and it's very much a read the room kind of thing. But, uh, in that case, fortune is that person for him. Cause that's just his term temperament in the first place. Uh, he's a, he's a boss. So if there's one person that should be kicking someone else in the butt, it's, it's a boss, but I love that. And from there, uh, we go into another montage, right? He's training, he's studying, uh, he's praying, uh, and then he's rejected again. And then we move into another montage, right? Train, studies, prays. And now we lay out the stakes because he talks to the priest, right? It's now or never. I cannot be rejected again because Notre Dame does not take transfers for me to get accepted from here because I'm at a junior college. You graduate after your second year in a junior college. And so he would have to transfer to a university that ultimately would accept, you know, and no, no, Notre Dame just doesn't take uh, university transfers. And so he, he lays out the stakes. I have to get it now. And I love, you know, they make this moment feel different. He gets a letter and instead of opening it right there, he goes outside. We have a new scenery. We're out, we're outdoors and he opens it and he weeps with joy. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah. And so we've seen him rejected so much that even though we as a viewer know eventually he's going to get in, that's why we're watching this movie. Uh, but we're still kind of on the fence. Like, we don't really know what's going to happen because this guy just keep, he keeps getting kicked. <laughs> like, we don't know when the kicking stops. And it's just this beautiful moment because we've gotten so used to failure. So this victory is incredibly sweet and it's a breath of fresh air. And his performance is so good. He's just 
weeping and reading and saying the words, uh, it's just perfect because it, it feels honest. It feels uh, genuine. It's just a really well-deserved moment. Um, and it's hard to not even get choked up discussing the moment, let alone watching it. <laughs> yeah. Like what I, I tried to, th- uh, I tried to figure out why it was so emotive in that moment. I think his performance is just so honest because have you ever just been so, uh, you know, I don't think that happy is the right word, even just relieved that you can't catch your breath, that you lose your breath. Like, you know, like that's what he did. Like he, yeah. he like literally lost his breath in the moment. And, and you, you, I think most people know have had at least one moment in their life where you feel like that, where you're just like, oh my God, all, everything I just did was because of led to this and it worked out or, or, oh my gosh, she actually does like me or the first, you know, like whatever uh, that moment is. And he just pulled that off. So honestly, it was just beautiful. It was just as impactful as the first time I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. And even after watching it, you know, a hundred times, give or take uh, five or 10, (laughs) like it was still like, yeah, that, that hit me. Uh, Sometimes I would watch it twice in a day for the record. Um, And so, uh, from there, like, right, he goes home and he pitches like, hey, it's time. And his brother, oh, his brother's the best in this movie because it really helps everybody understand people don't believe in him. And his brother is not relenting. He gets into Notre Dame. And even the way he says congratulations feels like a middle finger, right? He's like, congratulations, man. <laughs> like, like, bro, your brother just got into one of the best universities uh, in the country. But, you know, cool. Way to be an ass. And so from there, he immediately goes back for, you know, uh, tryouts. And the great thing is the way they establish the tryouts helps set our expectations for what we can expect for him to achieve. It dispels the hopes of being a starter, you know, with stats, right? They give us the stats of 95 players with full scholarships are playing here. And of those, only 60 can actually dress for the game. That means 35 people that we pay to be here (laughs) won't be dressing. So you, as a walk-on, are never going to see a a single down. That's absurd. The best that you can hope for is that maybe of the 10 or 15 of you that are here right now, one or two of you will keep just so that we can like run you on the scout team and beat the hell out out of you. Because your actual greatest value to this team is that we don't care if you get hurt. <laughs> like so good. Your body is it. That's your best asset. This is the fact that yeah. we don't care what happens to your body. Like damn. And so it really helps put in perspective what his goal is to be and it's just it doesn't start him. It's just to make the team is a huge accomplishment. And then, of course, from there, uh, we kind of get to see the day in, day out that he loves it, that he goes hard. And there's this great moment, right, where later in the film where he sees the girl who kicked him off the booster club and he's like, hey, don't I know you? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he runs off and she's left like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's that guy. Uh, and I love that they waited longer into the film uh, to to really give us a, a callback to how far he's come. Cause if you do that, like the first week or the first 10 minutes after he's made the team, it's a, it's a little too soon. But if you do that, you know, in the last 20 minutes of the film, then suddenly it's like, Oh snap. Yeah. You remember that time whenever he couldn't even paint the helmets and now he's wearing it. Cool. Like that's a, yeah. I don't know. It's a really good uh, way to reestablish like his journey and, and, and what he's accomplishing and what he's doing in, in his life right there. But even from there, like there's this whole sequence of just winning the team over, right? Because he's going all out. He kind of established the the idea of Rudy was so well established that whenever I was in high school football, uh, we named a guy Rudy because of how much on the one hand, his name was Robert. So there was this kind of alliteration to it. Uh, but he was just this go hard guy. He was same stocky, short, um, not incredibly fast but so much effort. Um, and so we just kind of dubbed him Rudy. Like, and that, that was his name for the rest of high school. No one called him Robert. Like literally everyone in school called this kid Rudy, uh, because of what this character did. Like that was such a, a, a meaningful, like idea of he gives everything every single time. Of course, 
our Rudy eventually spoiled. He he couldn't handle like the sideline life. <laughs> uh, he he eventually in the middle of a play that he was not in, he ran, he put his helmet on, ran off the sideline, and like jumped into a play, and that got him kicked off the team. Like it was a, uh, it was on the one hand hilarious, but also like, dude, what are you doing? Like don't don't do that. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah. A little much. Yeah, so it's hard to be a Rudy. I think that's that kind of goes to the idea that it's really hard to give that kind of effort and settle for being in the background. Like that takes a toll and it takes a lot out of you. And so for him, I love that sequence whenever we're just kind of seeing him get hammered, right? Left and right, we're hearing the Notre Dame song, whatever that is. Um, And then it kind of culminates in this, I I don't want to sing it, but it's onward to victory victory and the you see the the guard pulling there's this pulling guard play and he just creams them and Rudy just kind of lays there and the the guard feels bad he's like hey hey man you okay he kind of he grabs him by the horse collar and like kind of pulls him <laughs> off the ground yeah. like a little kid um and the next play right uh he skips him like he's like I'm not gonna hit this guy again that's it feels wrong um, and he gets chewed out and even Rudy chews him out. The coach chews him out. Everyone's looking at him like, dude, don't be an ass. And so of course the very next play, like he launches everything he has and Rudy just flies. And then after, after, after that practice, you, you see him like, Hey man, he gets chewed out by his teammates. What are you doing? And that continues. Like there's frustration with the teammates, right? Jamie O'Hara, uh, gets kicked out of practice because of him. He's like, this is our last practice of the season. This asshole thinks it's a Super Bowl. And there's just so much resentment that eventually turns into respect. After two seasons of that, like, you got to respect a guy that's going that hard, which uh, maybe I'll, I'll talk about acting in a, in a football you know thing um, because I've, I've played a football player in, in some other films or things got commercial and Friday night lights. And it's, a it's weird. I feel bad for everybody who was playing in this game. I'm, I'm sure they probably use actual football, like collegiate athletes, because those guys are huge, huge. but that's not always the case. Um, sometimes you have people who may have played football, but they don't understand the acting part. And that's, that's, that's a thing, but we, we go home. Right. And after that first season, per, Persegian, like as promised him, like, Hey, you're going to get to dress, uh, because he goes home and his family still doesn't believe him. He needs to actually be on the sidelines wearing a new uniform before his family really buys into the idea that, yeah, okay. You play for Notre Dame. And so now we have a new goal. We had our original goals just to make the team. And that took up the first 90 minutes, but now we have a new goal. We want to get on the field. We want to at least be on the sidelines. And so just dress for one game. That's now our victory. That's our measure of did we win or not? And so we now have a new hope, right? Uh, Persegian says that he can dress for one game, but now we have a new obstacle because the new coach says the deal is off. He, de- he divine doesn't know what the hell is going on. He's not worried about any of that. He's here for one thing. That's to win games. And so we, I love that transition because almost as soon as we got this hope, it gets smited right uh there's a new coach and so we've we've set this expectation for the viewer that we want this thing but now it doesn't look like that thing is going to happen um and so now we have our bad guy in divine and so the begrudging respect of his team is what ultimately earns him his spot to dress right and then from there of course we we want to see him on the field like hey we're here why not the team wants him to play jamie the guy he got kicked out of practice the guy that was like slamming him (laughs) he's like no we're gonna win if the offense is on the field we rudy can't play let's let's score one so they do like a halfback pass and he throws a touchdown that ultimately allows rudy to get some pt uh playing time and he has to subvert the coach's call uh and he gets chewed out on the sideline and uh they get the chant going and it's one of the there's so many great moments that are just incredible movie moments from this is for Rudy, the whole laying down the Jersey. That's iconic. There's very few sports moments in film history that are better than that moment and better than the the sideline chant uh, of Rudy just to get him on the field. Right? Like those are two incredible moments. I don't even care about the tackle. The sack. I did. I did love the the slow clap when he finally yeah. came back to practice. <laughs> the- Rudy. 
Rudy. <laughs> and then Rudy. and then the Rudy. It's funny because it's like because both of those things now are so trite. They're so yeah. like, oh, that's done and cheesy. So cliche. And shit. But this did it first. But this did it first, so it's okay. Yeah. You know? If if the cliche is because of you, it's okay to be the cliche because you you made it's it. It's okay to be the cliche if you <laughs> yeah. It's okay to be the cliche, not not do the cliche. I yeah, that's remember. right. Yeah. Anyway, well, there's something in there. <laughs> yeah, I did laugh a little bit at the slow clap, uh, to be honest. But the, uh, the Rudy part was like, oh, that's amazing. So and it was good. one of the linemen. I think it was the line. I don't know if it was the line, lineman that hit him, or I bet it, it was, was one of them. You know, there were a couple big ones, but there was one in particular who who he's always like the one. Like he's the one that that talks to Rudy in the in the parking lot. He's the one where Rudy like slaps him on the shoulder pads when he gets run over by the team when he goes to see coach Barsegian at the beginning later on he's the one that when Rudy goes to see if he's dressing the last game and he's not he says sorry Rudy it's him and like two other big guys like he's always there and and I think he's the one at the end that starts the chant so it's just <laughs> so it's so good they tie everything together really it's well. all tied yeah I love it and so so telling that story right of how do we make a small moment into a film? You go through that whole journey of we're going to create all these obstacles. We're going to start from childhood to set a passion and all the obstacles um, that we've been talking about. And it, it, it pays to understand the things that we don't see because we don't, he, he only has what a, a couple friends in no social life, right? We don't really meet any friends. We meet D Bob and we kind of get to know a little bit of his teammate. The, that's uh, the legacy guy who's basically in the same shoes as Rudy, who never gets to dress, who never goes out there and just gets pounded on week after week. Um, and even he goes into the ice ice room at one point and he's like, dude, you got to tone it down, man. You're making everybody look bad. We're all getting sick and tired of hearing. Why can't you put out like Rudiger, you know, week after week. And so, what the heck? This guy's in college and we don't see any idea of him being in college, right? And that's because this is a very tightly focused story about Rudy's goals, challenges, and determination. Everything that isn't about that, that isn't about him getting to play for Notre Dame is just a distraction. And it's going to steal away from that, that theme, that very crucial through line. And so they set up an entire world of obstacles with his family, his friends, his teammates, his talent in and of itself, his finances, shelter and money is a thing, right? And we watch him win everyone over through sheer force of will. And it helps us identify with the problem and that much more celebrate and appreciate, you know, the victory. And if you don't spend every single moment, like drowning in all those things, you you really won't have that feeling of air whenever you finally it hits your lungs, you know. Uh, and so they just absolutely nailed it, which brings us to deviating from real life to tell a, a dramatic story. And so in some cases, I know sometimes the, the, the true story is sometimes even more dramatic than the movie. Like I've seen that a number of times where you're like, whoa, they strayed so far from real life and real life was way more dramatic. And then sometimes, you know, they, they really go left field or like, okay, y'all really took the idea of inspired by it to a whole other level. And that's kind of one of the, these times actually is that the story of Rudy and I'll, I perused a little bit of the things that weren't true, um, fiction versus, you know, reality. Rudy had no older brother. He was the older brother. And so there was no big brother kind of holding his head down underwater kind of thing. Rudy's dad was supportive, like the entire time, like he was, he was behind him. And Rudy actually had college paid for by his GI bill from serving in the Navy. Um, so they left out a whole side story of him being in the Navy and that whole idea of him getting a job at the grounds and like sneaking in every night, you know, just to, to have a place to sleep. All that's, you know, complete BS. Uh, none of that stuff happened. And in fact, Rudy had a big social life on campus. Like apparently he did like some kind of boxing things that most people from campus knew him, knew him by like, oh yeah, that's Rudy. Like from the, uh, the boxing stuff. Um, and Coach Devine, this might be the biggest one. This is like the biggest, oh, damn, that kind of like changes everything. Uh, Coach Devine was actually the one who wanted him to dress and put him in the game. <laughs> uh, so the the Whoa. two best moments of the movie 
no one had to lay down their jersey, right? No one had to say, uh, I want him to dress in my place. And no one also had to uh, beg for him to get on the field. Like uh, that was all built in to the, the real life. And so it sucks for one to be Coach Devine because you look like the bad guy. Uh, but we kind of needed him to be the bad guy in this movie because I think for this movie, it's okay that they lied, that they made all that stuff up. Because here's the thing, the emotional truth is in all that stuff that they that they lied about that because the 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 real truth is walking on at a top tier D1 football team is impossibly hard it's so excruciatingly hard and setting up all these lies helps communicate the emotional and physical toll it takes on someone of Rudy's size to actually make that team it's so incredibly mind-bogglingly like unlikely that someone like that, uh, and I, I think I even pulled up like some relative numbers. So I'm 6'4", 200 pounds, and in the 1970s, the average offensive lineman for the NFL was about 6'3", 255. Now, Rudy was 5'6", like maybe 150, like... He's, he was basically, you know, going against people, you know, half a foot taller, at least. And again, that was an NFL lineman that 6'3", 255 in the 70s. Now, let me give you a frame of reference. I could have walked on to some degree, uh, or at least physically, I could, I would have been paralyzed. Uh, make no mistake. So 6'3", 255 in the 70s. And today's weight and size, we're looking at an average offensive lineman is 6'5", 312, 300 pounds. Um, and so we've gotten much bigger in football than back then. So and I could have made it maybe if you, and under different circumstances where I got to eat every day as a kid, like and hit weight train, all that stuff. In the 70s, I might have, could have walked on <laughs> at a D1. Uh, I I would have literally, I went to uh, church and I hung out with people who were at UT who went on to be first round NFL offensive linemen. I literally would not have made it a week as a walk-on at a D1, uh, certainly at UT, without literally being paralyzed. I have no doubt in my mind, I just would have been snapped into. Um, but maybe, maybe in the 70s, I could have walked on at, you know, a D2, or I probably could have played at a D2, but at a D1, maybe a walk-on, let alone like getting a play time. And so top tier D1, it's so incredibly hard. And so to help kind of emotionally help you understand that, I think it was important for them to tell you all those lies just to get you in this mindset to help you experience the reality. Because the reality is, even though fine, yeah, he wasn't like broke and everyone was just spitting in his face on his dreams and all that kind of stuff. It was still like an incredibly hard thing. It's just hard to communicate that emotionally. If all you see is, you know, him studying every night and, and just trying to get good grades and deal with his dyslexia. Like that's just not going to be a very compelling movie and no one wants to pay money to go see a movie like that. Um, and that's your fault as a viewer. So if you want to blame someone, blame you because you don't watch those kinds of movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Like I think it, it sold yeah. very well. The, the emotional reality. Yeah. Cause you know, it, just hanging out at bars, being the life of the party, him going home to a warm room every night, everyone cheering him on the whole yeah, way yeah. through. It just would have undercut the the real difficulty that meant uh, making and staying on the team. Um, yeah. And so I, th I think that helps uh, the audience to experience the journey in other ways, you know, by communicating all those things through the lies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he's if he's got some boxing things on the side or whatever, and he's doing it, literally anything else if we see him do anything else then that can be construed as well he didn't really work as hard as he possibly could have you know by some by some yeah. asshole who might say that you know what i mean yeah but but because the entire movie is all centered around him actually going when he makes the decision to go him actually getting onto the team and actually you know uh going to notre dame and then getting on the team uh, then yeah okay yeah I can say well well I don't I don't really care if it's true or not I wanted to see someone overcome impossible odds 
just out of sheer will and yeah. effort. Yeah. And that's what you that's what you get for movies like this or movies like Rocky or or whatever. And that's why we love it. We love the underdog. We love, you know, it's not and you know, I I do love that about movies like this is that it's not about it's not a he didn't have to get that tackle at the end. You know, he actually didn't even have to get it. I mean, if we told a totally different story, it would have been a totally different story, but he didn't even have to get onto the team. You know, mm. as long as he got into Notre Dame. Yeah. And that was really what the message was with that that Fortune was telling him was like, well, he Fortune was telling him, you know, don't be a jerk. You're getting a good education before he even got into into Notre Dame. Yeah. Then when he gets in, you're like, you know, that's the real win. You know, that's the thing that's going to stick with him, with you, with most people, with 99.9% of people is that uh, the education. But in, in Rudy's case, because it was just so iconic, at least in this movie, um, because it was so iconic and he, he did get in the game and he got a tackle. Okay. That's what he, he is known for that, for that moment as well. And that stuck with him, you know, just as much as the education is, but for the most part, most people, it's the education, right? So it could have been a completely different story, but because they just beat the crap out of him and he, we never see him doing anything else that has anything to do, not to do with Notre Dame or with football. And I think that that just lends itself so much, so well to the, to the, the importance and to the story itself of like the trajectory of the story. And so I've done a couple projects where I had to play a football player um, for, you know, on film, so to speak. I did a commercial for, for Pepsi a while back and we had to like put on full pads. Uh, there were old timey pads and like run a play. And that was, that was the thing. And so here's the thing, like, it's one thing if you're a collegiate athlete and you're playing against another collegiate athlete and you know, Hey, we're, we're out here to like make a, a game look real. And so we're going to kind of get into it a little bit. But this wasn't that. This was like a this was a Pepsi commercial. And so we just kind of need I was playing, I think, a tight end and I was going against this defensive end. And this guy just kept he he was acting like Rudy on set where he was really trying to just go hard every play. And we kept running the same play and he kept acting like, oh, I'm just reading the play kind of thing. And now I'm going for it. And I I was just like, hey, man, we're just acting like let's just make contact and pump our feet a little bit and that's all they, the camera needs to see is just a little bit of contact and some foot movement. And they're doing the rest of the work, right? Where they're running the ball and it's not even going to our side. It's opposite our side. And he just kept going. Um, and after, I don't know, 10 or 15 plays, I just got frustrated. I think he, he hit me one too many times. And I was like, man, I didn't want to do this, but I launched into his ass. Like I was like, okay, if, if you want to see it, like, we're, we're going to, we're going to play it down. Then this is about to be your down. And I'm about to show you what I haven't been doing for the last 15 plays. <laughs> and I just put him on his ass. And I think, and I didn't want this to happen, but I think he like, he bit his tongue. Um, and it just like was not great, but that's why you don't do that. If you don't, oh, don't no. do to me what you don't want me to do to you and everyone will be happy. <laughs> like, right. And so, and, right. Similar thing in uh, Friday Night Lights. I, I did some, I was a football player for the first couple seasons on Friday Night Lights. And people just, I don't know, they see a camera and suddenly, you know, their ass comes out where you're just like, you know, they start blocking or trying to get in, into the shot and they're like ruining continuity oh, yeah, just right. so that they can pose in front of the camera. And I'm just like, oh, God, bro, if the, does it matter if they even show you, if you make the edit? Does it really matter? Is that really going to change anything? Like, is that going to suddenly be Peter Berg says, oh, yeah. Hey, this guy who's in the locker room yeah. in the background, we're going to need him to start saying lines now. Give him a part. Like, no, that's not how that works. It's just so funny. Like sometimes playing a part, people start acting the part. Um, and that's just hilarious uh, in, in one way when it doesn't matter. I think is that's what bothers me. It's like you're doing it when it doesn't even matter, man. Like. Like just play your part the way you need to play it, not you know as if you're suddenly Rudy Rudiger reincarnate and you know you're just like yeah I don't know um, yeah 
anytime I've been on set with too many guys, it, it always goes like south. I'm just, I find myself separating from the group and I'm like, okay, y'all go do all the wrestling weird shit over there. And, um, I'll, I'll have a like pop tart over here and then we'll, we'll all get along that way. Uh, anyway. I totally agree. I mean, I've been on set with, with groups of people and it's very much that way. And I've never understood it either. I'm like, if they ask for me, I will be there. Yeah. You know, I will stand up in front of the camera and I will do dance jig, happy jig. That's what I'm supposed to do. Fine. You know, or if I'm, you know, uh, extra number 17 and I'm four rows back, then fine. I will be what I'm supposed to be four rows back. I'm not going to fight my way up to try to, you know, get screen time. Cause because one, what if I did? The chances of me making the edit are probably very small, you know? So it's just not worth it, you know? And so, yeah, I can see that being a problem on a, on a, on a, even on a big film like this, probably. Mm. I don't know. But it looked like all the, it really did look like most of the football players, especially when they got to Notre Dame, maybe not so much in the high school, but like, mm. especially when they got to Notre Dame, like really were players. Yeah. Especially the linemen, you know, probably not everybody, but at least the ones that got the the most, you know, like screen time, you know, yeah. were definitely players. Huge. For sure. Those dudes were massive, man. Nice. Massive. I mean, even for that day, I feel like they were massive. Yeah. Even for like, like for you, I mean, I'm sorry, even for now, I feel like they were big. I like that one number 75 or 72, the main guy. I mean, he huge. I mean, he might not be a center today, but he could definitely be, a linebacker or like a, uh, a tackle or, mm -hmm. you know, a defensive end, even if he was fast, I don't know. Actually, he's probably too big for a defensive end nowadays. So he's huge. So huge. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that they were real players. Not at all. Heck no. My God. Nice. Well, I mean, that's pretty much all I got. So I, I did want to say that like one, one thing really quickly for whatever reason, I just feel like the, the, um, cinematography was just so good in this movie partially because i never really noticed it you know what i mean like some movies some movies you notice it because it's that good right i mean moonlight or i don't know it, it, there's there a lot of movies you just notice it but in this movie i never really notice it and you know i have it on right here and i'm watching it and i'm talking to you and stuff and there is some there were some moments that that I think, oh my gosh, like that was so, that was so planned. W one moment in particular is when, uh, before he meets Debob, he's in class, Debob is taking notes, he's the TA, and then they leave the classroom and they're walking down the hall and Debob is walking behind, you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about, Debob is walking behind Rudy and they let Rudy walk past the camera and they stick with Debob who gets intercepted by someone and he's talking. And then that allows us to cut back to Rudy where he meets this girl and they have a conversation. Debob is too far away to hear what the conversation is. So he just looks like Rudy is meeting and having a conversation with the girl, which is what Debob wants. And then after that, Debob comes up to him. He's like, basically, let's be friends. I'll tutor you and you help me get a girlfriend. <laughs> All from that. But that happened by physically separating them in a way that made logical sense, yeah. you know? And I mean, I guess you could call that cinematography or you could call it direction. I don't know. Maybe it was a, a combination of both, but it just felt really honest and real in a moment that was very pivotal. Cause I don't think he, I know he would never have gotten into Notre Dame had it not been for Debop. So yeah. the whole story wouldn't have, wouldn't have really happened. Right. So, and you definitely wouldn't have had that friend, obviously, probably. So it was just a very important moment that was done really calcul calculated and uh, in a believable way. And those things were all over the place. I mean, even the, like the scene where he's given the key back to fortune, mm. you know, just the, the camera angle, the low, we don't see fortune. We just see, we see his feet, right? you know, and we see Rudy like standing there delivering his lines, he puts the key up there or whatever. And then we can cut up to the the shot of fortune to see him. But for the most part, it's just, it, they're not like trying to get a wide so we can see them both. It's just Rudy. It, and it, there's moments like that all over the film. So, so methodical and well, well planned. Yeah, they do a great job. And I mean, a lot of long lenses uh, trying to capture that same 
like spectator feel uh, or except now it's yeah. even closer to the field. And even with that, I mean, there's a lot of challenges to, to, you know, nail your shot uh, because I doubt they're using the same kind of cameras today. We have incredibly complex cameras that capture sidelines, you know, from the sideline we're shooting and we're watching whatever, a football, a close-up of a football being passed, you know, 40 yards. Like it's, it's pretty incredible the technology that they have going into these cameras that allows some of the, the shots that we get. Uh, but then on top of that, and so they're, they're not using that, right? They're using more traditional cameras and they're, I mean, the football plays, they're doing similar things where you're talking about like passing, uh, the shot off from one character to another. And there's this one shot. I remember where they're in practice and, uh, there it's right before it's at the end of tryouts, right before Rudy finds out who's going to make it or who's not. And they're doing that, that pickup drill where you're playing whatever a linebacker and you're pumping your feet and you're waiting for a, a, a running back to hit you and you got to pick them up and tackle them from a dead standstill. Like which what? Um, but I guarantee you never want a running back going full tilt while you're standing flat footed. That sounds like the worst idea yeah. I've ever heard. God, I would die. Yeah. And so, but they do one of these shots where we start at the end of this drill, we're watching a, the final guy go and he's, he's pumping his feet. He turns around, picks up the, the running back and he, he moves the running back backwards. And then he pushes him out of frame. Then coach is right there now remaining in the frame. And we rack focus to him. He blows the whistle. He's like, all right, hit the showers. We'll let you know. Um, and they go into their coaches conference and that's all one take this, that drill, the end of that drill and the coach, you know, calling his line out. Um, and so they have to coordinate that kind of thing. And it's just this beautiful continuity of like, we're inhabiting this world. Um, and there's so much of that. You're, I completely agree. Like there's so much of that throughout this film where they're thinking through these shots, not just in terms of, can we get the shot, but how can, how can we connect these moments, um, together instead of just saying, in the script, it's this line and then, the, and then, you know, this line of action and then this line of dialogue, how can we connect those two moments um, instead of doing it through a cut? Let's do it through the cinematography. Um, yeah. Beautiful, really beautiful work for sure. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, just wanted to say that. Yeah. So good. So what are you going to recommend this week? What do you think I'm going to recommend this week, Wes? Ooh. Hoosiers? <laughs> you know it. Huh? <laughs> no, that was a good, good one. Good one. Miracle. I think you're going with Miracle. No. Oh, what do you got? No. Another obvious one. Goonies. Ah, gotta go Sean with the Astin. Goons. Yeah, good one. Got it. Yeah. Sticking with the Sean Aston, going with the Goonies. I remember watching this film when I was a, a little kid at my cousin's house. And uh, uh, that the scene where they meet Sloth, I was terrified. It was, it was just, but then the whole thing, it was just so good. So good. I'm, I got nothing to say other than it's, it's still just as awesome and corny at the same time. Sure. Uh, I watched it recently, I think a couple months ago, but anyway, it's, it's just endearing, I will say. So Goonies. Nice. I'm going to recommend a movie called Swingers. This is a movie with John Favreau and Vince Vaughn. Um, It's what kind of launched their careers, but it would not have come to be if not for Rudy because they met on set of Rudy, even though they don't have any scenes together. Uh, I don't know how that really worked out. I'm guessing maybe like in the trailers or maybe, you know, during lunch or something. I just, I'm, I can't wrap my head around how they met on this movie because they're not in any scenes. And so I just imagine how many days were they actually on set together? Uh, Did they meet at the table read? Like when, when did they have the opportunity to actually see each other? I've been on so many films and, and projects where I might, you know, be on the same shoot as you, but because we're not in the same scene, we're not shooting on the same day. And, you know, we just, we're not even going to see each other. So I'm just confounded that John Favreau and Vince Vaughn even met, let alone became such good friends that, uh, they came together to make swingers. And then a lot of films after that, they made another film called made, uh, they made, uh, the, the breakup together, uh, and, and all kinds of stuff. And so, but swingers is such an iconic, no budget film. I think it's where Doug Lyman got his start and he's gone on to, you know, make a lot of great films. Yeah. So, 
uh, we'll, we'll have trailers for Swingers and Goonies in the show notes, so definitely check that out. Um, and stay tuned for next week. We're going to be going into uh, uh, Blade Runner. So we're going to check out the classic Blade Runner and then chase that with Blade Runner 2049. So over the next couple of weeks, you're, you're going to get it. Uh, we're going to we're going to take a look at some classics. Yeah. So if you're enjoying the show, uh, don't forget, subscribe and review us on iTunes. Leave us a note saying what you want. We actually have a new review up from the San Diego Chicken. Big shout out to the San Diego chicken. I think oh, yeah. I know who that is, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm much too embarrassed to recite that review. So if you want to read the incredibly kind words that they, they gave us, uh, please do so. They, they do say something that is absolutely true, um, which is Todd is the heart and soul of the show, which is 100% accurate. He's just, yeah. Dude, thanks for being here and about doing that. this. Uh, it, could not happen without you so go no it could not happen without you well without you my man yeah no you know you do you do all the work i just come in and i and i i recite feelings it's you (laughs) i'm the heart of the show uh you're the brain and the brawn we can say that (laughs) for sure oh it's hilarious but i always love it i mean i we've said this in private before but it always feels like we're playing a little bit of jazz just because uh i never know what you're going to say and i love that you come like ready and in the moment because sometimes i get so locked up in my notes that i forget to make new observations and you sometimes you'll call me out like i don't know if i agree with that and then i have to either like adjust and up and there's been a lot of times where i'm like oh yeah you know what you're right that doesn't play the way i thought it played or or sometimes i get a chance to like double down and say no here's here's why i think it's right and you know both of those are fun the both mm-hmm. of those are you know us having to be on our feet and that wouldn't happen if uh if you weren't like so active and uh in in the moment so i definitely appreciate everything that you know you bring to the show so if you want to leave a note, oh, same, man. <laughs> feel free to drop us one at thepestlepodcast.com slash Rudy. And the quote of the day that we're going to leave you with is from Horace, the Roman poet. Adversity has the effect of eliciting talents, which in prosperous circumstances would have lain dormant. I, I completely agree with this. This is amazing. It's the mother of invention. Necessity is the mother of invention is another way of saying it yeah. that you know, a lot of times, unless you need some, unless you need to lift a car, you can't lift a car, right? Um, I mean, stories of of women lifting cars when their kids are trapped underneath, you know, things like that. It's it's not it's not any different when it comes to things like the story of Rudy or or, or you know, I've said Rocky three times in this episode. Um, it just goes to show you that when you think you're done, you know, you're really only half done yeah you've got a lot more in in all the ways you know physically mentally emotionally i mean there are so many examples of that kind of thing in life in probably in our listeners lives in your life in my life where i just thought i just thought i can't take any more and then you take more you know you know this it's oh my gosh it's so funny I'm wearing this shirt because I found I'm I'm packing because uh, FYI I'll tell our our listeners I'm yeah. moving to California. I know California's coming to Austin and I'm going to California. It's ridiculous, but so I'm anyway uh, at the end of the month and I was cleaning out my closet and I found this shirt and this shirt is my finisher shirt from Iron Man Buffalo Springs seventy point three. That was the last Iron Man I did, and the reason that was the last Iron Man I did. Because I thought I was gonna die, and I'm not even kidding. The I'm not even kidding. It was like ninety, not eight degrees, ninety nine degrees the whole day. And the moment I got off the bike, which was the hardest bike I'd ever done, I started cramping. And to run a half marathon when you have full body cramps from your neck to your toes, I mean, literally every step was was agony. It was it was terrible, and I wanted to quit from the mo- like. From a quarter mile into the run, I wanted to quit the whole time. And I just didn't. And I thought, I thought, I can't go another step. And then I would take another step. And I thought, oh, I just took another step. And then I took another one. And I mean, I had to walk almost all of it, but it and it was brutal, but I finished it. And that's the point. And that's the point with Rudy. And that's the point with our lives. And I feel like 
like I found something in, in that, in myself that day that made me understand really the toll that you can put on yourself, whether it's physically or, or mentally, uh, and take it and be stronger for it. So it's a great quote, man. Nice. I have nothing to add. Well said. Damn. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to take the wind out of your sails. Eh? No, not at all. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, I, I think we could probably do one. Maybe we could do both the next episodes before I leave. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is going to be going to yeah. look like with this room. Uh, maybe next episode there'll be a little bit less behind <laughs> me, and then there'll be a little bit more or less behind me. It's like Todd uh, fading there'll away. There'll definitely be more boxes behind me for sure. I, um, I'll just but, need like a sooner or later. I'll be. I'll, I'll need a, a, a boilerplate shot of the room completely empty, and then I'm just going to fade you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what? Each week you'll just cut off a piece of me, kind of yeah. like the end of uh, Back to the Future. You know, I'm missing an arm for an episode, and then I'm missing the other arm, and then I'll just be a floating head for one episode, and then and then you just hear me in the ether. Right? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it'll eventually. It, I mean, whatever. We've been doing these remote, you yeah. know, for since the beginning of COVID, so. Um, uh, in in that regard, not nothing's really going to change. Only it's uh, you know, I'm not going to see you the next day uh, to work out. Right, that's going to be heartbreaking. I don't even want to talk about it. It really right now. is because you're but, on your way to um, 300. Like I'm really excited to see that happen. <laughs> I'm on my way. I'm on my way. You're on I think way. I can get there. I think so. You bro. think I can get there? You yes. said I, you thought I could get there this year, and I thought yeah. that's no way. There's no way I can get yeah. there. But you're making the jumps. Maybe. You're making the jumps. So taking the jumps and taking yeah. taking the protein and the creatine like you told me anyway well, we, we digress we digress <laughs> we're not supposed to digress on this podcast right? that's true yeah <laughs> anyway thank you guys so much for joining us i loved uh talking about this movie it's such a good movie and I, we really hope that you enjoyed it too make sure you share us with your friends and and leave a review we'll talk about it on this episode we'll drop your name leave the review and until next time i'm todd i'm wes Go watch some movies.